0: please listen carefully welcome to the rick and dot show two dudes a podcast and some laughs
1: prepare to be underwhelmed
0: and away we go yep
1: sweet i gotta rotate this i have a broken desk chair The wheels broke off
0: so it's fun to sit on and spin and f- try to move it and fall on your face and hit the desk and everything
1: yeah so if the if the if the wheel is at the wrong spot, I'm pretty much like all over the place. Oh, mm-hmm. it was pretty fun, so I was actually just fighting with that. I was like, ah, I should be fun. I was like, nope. <laughs> oh man, man, oh man, what a day. So,
0: in in kind of following up, and this wasn't really on our agenda to talk about this week, but kind of following up on some of the stuff you had broached last week, um, and then today being the National Walkout Day, um, it's surprising, yet not as surprising at the same time, to see how many people want to and when I say people, I generally mean adults, um, how many people downplay the effectiveness, the willingness, or even the quote unquote allowance, uh, for students to participate in national walkout day. Um, there's a a general, or there's a pretty varied spectrum on my different social media feeds. Um, as far as, you know, the difference between Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, um, (laughs) as far as certain, uh, demographics, you know, being in support of it. Um, and then certain demographics and, um, some news feeds being very much, um, Abe Simpson from the Simpsons and just yelling at the kids to get off my lawn type thing, um, where it's like, I'm proud my my kid didn't participate in this or the what what are they doing all it is is killing time blah 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 and there's there's a lot there where it it almost seems difficult to try to not argue but rationalize or have that conversation with people who are taking that stance um where they're they're basically saying that these kids have no right to do it because they're not old enough or who's going to let them walk out or the administrators that let them walk out should be punished or fired. And at the same point, it's like, but that's the point of a protest. Like, you're you are kind know. of missing the point. <laughs> they're not necessarily supposed to be allowed to do it. So that's why they're protesting. And that's the whole point of protesting is going against the – status quo to make people uncomfortable to make to bring you know noise to an issue so for all the kids that did it like fully support every one of them i mean that's there's a number of of stories that i've seen that have been pretty amazing today obviously there's kids are going to abuse it um people are going to you know focus on on some of that or in certain instances of some of the people in north carolina basically saying um that it was just, you know, to kill time, et cetera. That's fine. That's going to happen. I mean, the same thing is if you want to whitewash everybody, I mean, people have accidents with cars. So now nobody should have cars type thing. Um, But I mean, far and away I've seen a a pretty drastic uh, outpouring of support for um, uh, for national walkout day. That was very constructive. Uh, And I, you know, personally, I I salute all the kids that, that did it and kind of, Made their voice heard when everyone in the larger "quote unquote" adult community is telling them that that you know they should shit shit down, yeah, sit <laughs> down and shut up.
1: Yes. Speaking of that, I've uh, since since uh, hashtag ADHD. Uh, I can never do just one thing at once, so I have to do two things to focus on mm-hmm. one thing. Um, I just caught my eye as somebody's Facebook status, who is a teacher, who basically is like, "Those kids don't care about gun laws; they just wanted to not be in class." Which is, you know, what you're talking about. I was just sitting here like, I'm like, you know, they're like, maybe, uh, uh, maybe, maybe they should try writing their senators or representatives. And it's like that's so. It's one of those things where it's whenever there's. Whenever there's an issue to protest, there seems to be this push from um, a lot of folks that it's always being done incorrectly, mm-hmm. um, and no matter what happens, it's it's always wrong. It's always never the the thing that's supposed to be happening, or it's oh do it this way. This is what's effective, or do it on your own time. Do
0: it like that's yeah, not the place to do it. That's... Do it this way that that is better suited for me.
1: That is what this fucking teacher just says. And I'm like, how can you work where we're talking about arming these teachers, you know, in serious conversations. They're talking about arming these teachers, turning these schools into prisons that you fucking work at. And you just go, fuck them. I got to teach them algebra. Yeah. Like sometimes one of the things about being a teacher is knowing when you can actually teach someone and what lesson you're actually trying to teach. If I was, you know, you can't teach people if you don't have the constant security blanket of a safe learning environment. Well, and also
0: for me in this instance, the concept of a teachable moment seems completely lost. Like, I mean, this this yeah. seems 100% more in the realm of idiocracy where it's like instead of fighting it, you could embrace it. And instead of trying to penalize the students to do it, uh, you know. Support them because it's either like all, all you're going to be doing is as the students do it, you're going to be punishing them by moving forward. And then the other students that don't do it are necessarily they're staying in class. But at the same time, um, it's not like you're like so you feel better about now continuing to teach or move forward with the lesson that, you know, it, it just it doesn't make sense to me as far as to be from a mm-hmm to be an educator and to know many friends, many family members and, you know, friends, parents and things like that, that, that are educators and the essentially why they're educators, where it comes from a notion of, um, wanting to help grow, learn and everything. And to me, it just seems like a very closed minded way of doing that. And, uh, almost to like abject punishment and, uh, Sadism, because it's something where you know you think you you have a moral high ground just because you're older type thing.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, it's one of those things I'm absolutely getting. I'm getting sick and tired of is just that mentality of we. There becomes a certain point where writing you everything by the book and there's no and there's no results. I mean, that's the fucking definition of fucking non-violence movements is you literally get to the point where it gets so extreme where everything is done properly. And by the book, you know, there has to be acts of nonviolent civil disobedience. Yep. It that's, that's the fucking logical step. That's the way it always happens. It's what happened with the civil rights movement. It's what happened with the fucking suffrage movement in the twenties. Like how, ha- Oh, oh man, I just don't understand that we, we, we always talk about how, you know, our, our right for, for our right to violence uh, as Americans, were super entitled to that. But a lot of people don't act understand that our country was also our modern-day society was also founded on acts of civil disobedience. The values that we hold close to us and the values that we say that we, we hold in high regard have bases or are based in, in, in acts of civil disobedience. And, you know, it just blows my mind, leaves me completely fucking flummoxed how any educator can not understand that or see that and see that the importance of education of an education and being an educator is not to focus just on one specific subject, but to make sure we're making and giving all of our knowledge to the next generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just gets me pissed off. So I, as you add fucking for the kids walking out, man, like they fucking got to, I mean, if they don't feel safe, what else they, there's nothing they can do. Exactly you know so yeah man fuck it those kids deserve to fucking walk out they need to we have serious issues in this country that affect that or that affect their future generations and we're just like fuck it shut up
0: yeah i mean at at what point is it okay for them to speak up like when does when like uh, again like they're saying you you want to grow up well i mean the whole majority of the movement is happening because they are like the, the genesis of this is that there are now 17 kids that can't grow up. So their friends and classmates want to use that to go forward. And obviously everybody's or the the detractors of it are saying it's getting politicized and everything like that. Well, at the same time, like you're not the one in the movement. So you, you didn't have classmates get killed. So if these kids want to do that, then that's on them and it you know you sitting there kind of uh throwing uh throwing stones from your glass house um are are just you know just make you look like an asshole as opposed to actually listening to somebody who has a point regardless of age who just experienced a traumatic life event and wants to do something about it to prevent somebody else from having the same exact experience as them so there's there's just a lot here that gets me riled up as well and it it it's something where it's uh um just more so the reaction to the movement. Um, and it's very similar to, you know, spring of last year when there were um, people that were, you know, shitting on the Women's March and all that stuff. And uh, I mean, there were women saying, oh, I don't need a Women's March. I can do all this. And it's like, okay, well, there are people that are using this movement to make a positive statement, to to bring light to issues that are known to be issues. So the fact that you're not experiencing that exact issue or you come from a place of privilege that doesn't have to deal with that issue. I mean, why don't you, you know, either get your head out of your ass or put it back in there and just be quiet because, you know, just the fact that you're not experiencing that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Um, And so there's there's so much of that now. and, And that's a lot of the kind of the negative, uh, feedback that I I see to a lot of this movement where, um, it's, yeah, it's pretty much just the, you know, sit down, shut up and and keep it going. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I was just looking for a quote that I can't find it. Um, but I'll I'll keep digging, um, in a minute, but it, it just ends up being a case where the majority of people there are the people that are coming from a place of privilege who have never experienced it. I mean, in high school we had multiple times and there's one, uh, where it was, you know, week long uh, bomb threats, Where I, I don't think we had class in a given week because every day we had bomb threats. Now, I mean, obviously, at the time, you know, thinking that was cool, just because we got to play. We, basically, it was like, you know, study hall on the football field every day. But then thinking back, like, what if one of those was real? Like, what if what if one of those happened, and it wasn't mm-hmm. just a hoax or a call in or something like that? So, I mean, the fact that these kids are taking the initiative to do some of that and to to call out that there there is um something that they can use their voice for, as opposed to just being there and always you know just doing what they're told, heads down, and being at the uh kind of the the will or whim of the quote unquote administrations uh yeah. is just ridiculous.
1: I know it's uh, it's it's you create the you create this fucking monstrosity of a world for these kids and then you get you're surprised that they're upset and don't want to live in the mess that you've created. Exactly. A hundred. I mean, come on. Fucking seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Just we all everybody makes mistakes. Just fucking own up to it. You know, We, we have to realize that certain certain generations created really shitty worlds for you know, created a really shitty world for the next two generations. And, you know, just kind of fucking own up to it, to your part in it, you know? Because, I mean, school, like, we both, you know, you're a few years old. And, and, you know, we both fucking, you were, because you would have been in, I think, middle school in Columbine happened.
0: Uh, no, I was, in, I was in high school.
1: school. I was in 10th grade. Okay. 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 Yeah. Ooh, this make me... <laughs> Those few years ago. <laughs> Dec- no, because I, I was in elementary school when Columbine happened. Okay. And I went, yeah, I went to college uh the time I was going off to college, you know, uh Virginia. But when I got to Western, Virginia Tech, it happened, you know, months before, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's it's just like you know it's this is a world that we've basically started to create uh, that w- that was created and you know it's something that shouldn't be a part of it shouldn't be a part of it we shouldn't be teaching our children that you know they shouldn't have to live in fear nobody should have to live in fear but like especially not kids and especially not in what's supposed to be, like, the greatest country in the fucking world.
0: The greatest it's country and in the place where they're supposed to go and want to go every day to be safe and to be, um, uh, you know, to, to basically build themselves up for the rest of life. Uh, so here, yeah, the, the quote that I was looking Goodness. for, I, I don't know where and
1: it popped <laughs> up from,
0: but uh, it was... Um, if. Something yeah. I'll, I'll get to it in a or talk about later, and so this will this will circle back. Uh, depending on how we we get, jump to some of the other topics, uh, close out with some of the um, media swaps. Um, but in this instance, it really ends up being something that uh, for me rings true, in, in kind of everything we we've talked about now and end of last week. But equality feels like oppression if all you've known is privilege um and i'm not taking credit for that we'll eventually at the end of the episode figure out uh who said that um but that is something for me that in this instance is very 110 percent true where that's what the majority of this is is people that have come from a place of privilege and just they don't want to see any of their experience be altered or um misclassified based off of now other people wanting something different and they're just not sucking it up and dealing with it. Um, and, or, you know, resigning themselves to, to the fact of, you know, being scared or not wanting to go to school and not having the ability to, you know, graduate with friends that they started high school with and things like that. Um, so it it ends up being something that is when you look at it from an empathy point of view there's a lot more there that can be done than just the you know close minded bullshit that that we're seeing right now
1: i'm pretty sure our listeners pretty much know where we stand in that kind of stuff but anyway so yeah. um you know <laughs> i believe i believe always you know made abundantly clear but um i guess in uh in other news i guess we do a little a news thing before we go into that weird media weird media stuff because there have actually been a few events today um, the the passing of Stephen Hawking uh, he you know uh, he, the BBC broke that story this morning um, you know obviously you know super important scientist guy physicist um, who definitely left his mark uh, on the world and science um, you know it's one of those things where a lot of people know why you know it, it's important you know why his death is important um but uh, not necessarily. They they know it's important, but they don't know necessarily why it's important. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I, I mean, I think that's something where um, similar to a lot of, uh, I mean, it, celebrity status and like celebrity deaths and things like that. But this is something where, in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, it, it's a much bigger impact. Um, something that uh, you know, similar to the the. You know, Einstein's the just the, the people at the forefront of technology and exploration and, you know, thinking big and not wanting to um, close the door on anything that would otherwise be yep. thought of going back to some of the other conversations that we've had recently um, going just, you know, thinking with an open mind, exploring, not putting things out of um context just because or out of possibility just because um it's something that that doesn't seem plausible type thing so um i mean a lot of his research is you know getting us to the next level of uh you know transportation breakthroughs and just a further understanding of the world so um it's it is something that is you know said to see happen just with uh how much he was able to to kind of push science and uh just completely uh kind of break down a lot of the the pre-thought notions of of you know the the normal types of uh, theoretical physics that we had
1: yep yep and um you know i mean like obviously didn't i didn't study science as hard as as some other folks um but those things always like scientists always have in my mind science and art usually go together because the main motivation behind both of them is to say things or to discover things that aren't being said. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, um, it's important, you know, it's, it's a shame when it's always sad when we lose a voice that's saying things that need to be said, you know? So, I mean, that's always, you know, that's always a that's always a, a sad day when that happens. Um I guess in slightly uh brighter news. Um I don't know if we got a chance to talk about it last time, but the uh the um bankruptcy of Toys R Us and their uh upcoming closing of all eight hundred locations in the US.
0: No, I, we hadn't <laughs> talked about that at all.
1: Um yeah, so uh yep. Uh <laughs> Another part of uh, I don't know about you, but I uh, definitely know the part of my childhood. Uh, first, first they came. It like a really bad uh, <laughs> reference to, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it's like first they came for KB Toys, and no one said anything, and you know, and then Blockbuster, you know, and then <laughs> then toys, <laughs> then Toys R Us, and yep. you know, what, what's left? Chuck E. Cheese? Like, I think that's it. <laughs> like. All of those those companies that we sort of remember finally as a kid, um, you know, they're all gone. At least when it happened to the baby boomers, they were older, you know, <laughs> you know, at least when the baby boomers were like, there's no more uh, Fredericks or, you know, whatever baby boomers were into. Um, <laughs> there's no, I'm trying to think of like companies that, oh God.
0: Well, I mean, now I I can't even think of all the, the ones that would have closed, or I mean, like all the, the, like the last one, like iconic brand that I can think of that's closed is probably something like Circuit City. Um, Yep where i mean growing up or like something where always going to the mall and going to circuit city express um or just knowing where there was a circuit city even though the, like best buy was a competitor and easily accessed uh circuit city was definitely just another brand there and so i mean similar now where i still have a handful of uh of known like experiences at toys r us um between i i, I Pretty sure we talked about it here before as as the one of the toys R Us experiences I had of, of uh the night uh o j Simpson was going down the the freeway yeah. in his in his bronco and I got my uh my power man action figure um, so I was playing with that um and then just going to the one and carry for video games and other stuff um and just always hitting up, hitting up random ones here and there. So uh, that is that is sad to see. I mean, the writing was on the wall for a while, but it also seemed like that's a niche, or that's not a uh, a very much of a a too niche of a market that they could keep up with. So it was just something where they didn't really, you know, keep up with the times. And I imagine Amazon kind of sucked out a lot from them. Um, but it was just something where they would have had to uh, just you know keep up with the business model, but they just didn't. So it's it's sad to see it die.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, there were a lot of, you know, a lot of mistakes that they made on their end. Um, mm. Definitely sad. Um, I came to the realization the other day because one of the things, being the sentimental moron I am, I uh, was like, I need to get some of the shelving. I need, to, I need to get display cases mm. when they do the liquidation sale. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, What am I going to do with those? I plan on leaving. You know, I may not be in the country in a year and a half. Exactly. From now. And I'm like, oh, okay, the arcade cabinet I can resell. You know, the I kit, there are buyers there for that that exist. What am I going to do for us branded display case? It's going to go straight to the dumpster.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I was looking you know? at some of the DVDs and, and other stuff that I've got here where I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I'm-. I don't even know why I'm I'm holding on to those like that's just something that I need to get rid of. Or it's just literally taking up space where just condensing other stuff down would be much nicer to to get rid of. So there's a handful of things similar to that that it, it's looking to to get rid of.
1: Yeah. Um so uh so there's I mean there's there's that. Um I'm trying to think if there's any other news newsworthy things. Um, before we go into our topic, de jure, Um, can't think of any. Oh, I mean, besides outside of March Madness. Um, so he's barely made it into the tournament. Uh, they actually play tonight, so. Um. So I gotta, I gotta stumble across that game tonight. So. Ugh.
0: Yeah, that's what Penn State missed it completely. So that's why I, that was not one I was paying attention to in any way, shape, or form. So uh, <laughs> we'll see uh, we'll we'll see how that goes eventually. Um let me see here. So the other thing we had is the um well oh, let me do this. We had uh come on. Ooh, there we go. Um the MM or Modern Master 17 speculation uh things um i i did my uh my homework there and and figured out um what all the prices were like i I actually did that as of this morning so everything there is is pretty current um so i completely forgot what some of the uh once i had to just set up the spreadsheet to uh to basically um not spoil it for us as, as we started reviewing it. So this can be a, um, as much of a surprise for you and the listeners as it is for me kind of going through it. So we can, we can run through that as, as well.
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's uh Oh God, those numbers are probably all wrong. Though they're, they're probably all over the place. So um, <laughs> I, I totally, when we were talking about that, I totally wasn't even thinking about speculators. Like, can I remember? That? I at least remember that conversation, and I, I remember my thought process was like, "This is how the market should react," <laughs> like, be, because just for the inf- the influx of supply, and then not even the increase of demand, just mm-hmm. fucking spectators. <laughs> oh man!
0: So if we want to jump into that, then we can do the some of the media swap stuff, and that should give us enough time. Um, but let me. Um, Hide these. So we did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We did eight cards that were pretty much staples um, in oh. modern, and then half of those pretty much being staples in, in Legacy with with fetches and and some of the other stuff. But uh, it was a we we specked on Scalding Tarn, Misty Rainforest, Verdant Catacombs, Arid Mesa, um, which leaves us with. What didn't we do? Oh, Marsh Flatsy. Yeah, okay, that's why. Um, then Liliana the Veil, Damnation, Snapcaster, and Goblin Guide. So those those were the cards that that we speculated on. Um, and this was pretty much like a year to the day, I think, today, um, from from when we we did some of this. Um, the let's see. Um, now some of my column headers are a little bit confusing to me because I don't know what some of these, Oh, okay. That must be the original price. Um, so they, they were announced, <coughs> um, uh, for, for re or for basically reprint. Um, so we, we got the, the price at the time of the, uh, original printing. Um, and then, cause all of these were the first reprints in normal sets. Um, and then we had a, the current modern master 17 price, based on mtg stocks and then we had the pre-order price for star city games um so we can compare that now with what we predicted um the uh the current price for the 52 week uh or you know one year price to the day uh to be so i i've got those and we can
1: we can see everything that's there yeah i guess we can go and rip that band-aid off because it's gonna be rough <laughs>
0: Um, so, starting with Scalding Tarn, um, the original price was sixty-five dollars um, for the original printing in Zendikar. The M seventeen price at the time we did this was forty-four, and SCG pre-order was forty-five. Um, you okay? Let's do this backwards. So, currently today, uh, the MTG stock price is seventy-two. Um oh, and the SCG price is 80. Um my fifty two week price for scalding tarn was fifty. Um do you have a guess as to what your fifty-two week price was?
1: Uh All probably was like, like
0: probably like forty. Uh twenty-five to thirty. Yeah. So yeah, so even yeah. e- <laughs> even much lower. Um Yeah. So then so then that's uh Again, that's one where speculation is is going to hit that because that's one of the ones that again for for modern and legacy getting speculated against is a is a uh, hey, real kick in the nuts.
1: So what really did it was the fact that so so some of those fetchlands are going to reflect. I think especially Scalding Tarn and probably also Snapcaster um, are basically uh, really out of whack right now because of the Jace unbanning. Uh, Because speculators want absolutely nuts with that. Um, so and literally-
0: with that though, I, I will say that in looking at these prices, none of these had sharp spikes within the past couple of months. Um, all the ones because okay. there's a couple here that that are high prices. I don't know what they are in comparison to what we expect at, <coughs> um, but I do know that they were much higher than what I expected okay. them to be. Um, that they were all slow crawls to to kind of where they're at now. So um, a lot of that may help continue the the climb of what was already happening. Um, but I think for uh, for probably uh, Tarn. Uh, Lily and Snapcaster. That was uh, a function of the kind of the reprint discount, and then the rest of it being jumping back to the full price.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can. I can that's that's all oh, just a mess. But all right. So what's what's next?
0: So Misty. Uh, the original price for Zendikar was forty five. Um MM17 price of a year ago was 32 for MTG stocks, SCG was pre-ordering them at 35. Um I said that they would end up this week at $35. You said 20
1: to $25. You're probably you're probably right. As, you're closer.
0: As of this morning, the MM17 price was or sorry, the MTG stock price uh, was 37 and the SCG price was 40.
1: Yeah, like I, yeah, you were a lot closer. Like, it's just a, a weird. I don't know. Like the other thing is too is that like the set wasn't terrible, but it also wasn't the best. So I don't know, but then it also it just
0: shows why. got hit with a shit ton of other printing and other uh, masters and reprint sets like later in the year um, so that it was mm-hmm. something where like it wasn't just the de facto set at the time where it was there and then it was iconic masters and then now there's like M25 and everything. So there's yeah. been a lot more other supplemental product that the first couple of modern masters didn't have to deal with and it was a little bit different as far as just the, the volume that was getting opened. Yeah. So that one was uh, almost a, a nail on the head for me. Let's see if we end up getting any other ones uh, as close. Um, You're
1: good. You that was close, man. I mean, you know, my numbers are all fucking off because you know I figured like I there's combination of the speculators and then like the extra aggressive product like through there was kind of no way to really see that. Um. But we got
0: so then next up is Catacombs, uh, one of the other kind of higher valued ones with all the different uh, style of black green decks. Um, It was fifty seven a year ago in Zendikar. Uh, MTG stocks had it at thirty nine. SDG was pre ordering at thirty nine. I said it was going to be at thirty five this week, so the same price that I had had thought of for Misties. You said it was going to be twenty to twenty five again um as of this morning on MTG stocks it was 50 and SCG was 55 so that's another one where this is one that is bounced back almost all the way up to the kind of the pre modern masters price which is a good one yeah um jumping into arid mesa We had a original price of 44, which again, Mesa is a kind of a niche one compared to the other ones, but it was still kind of an interesting one since it's not as kind of overlooked as Marsh Flats, but it was still one that, um, is necessary in a handful of decks and some of the cheaper options. Um, MTG stocks had it at 30, uh, SCG was pre-ordering at 35. I had it at 18, you had it at 18. So that was one we agreed on where it was kind of the, the bottom of the barrel, um, but interestingly enough, uh, MTG stocks and SCG have them within a dollar of each other. Um, MTG stocks has it at 34, and SCG has it at 35 as of this morning. So that's one where it's double what we thought it was going to stay at, um, but it, it hasn't quite reached the uh, the pre uh, reprint uh, announcement level. Um, but something where it, it kind of had the the appearance of um, uh, kind of a the lowering the bar to get into some of those budget decks, such as like burn and things like that.
1: Yep. Which was kind of what it was supposed to do. So
0: that, so that's at least one, one card that it's done that for. Um, So this one, just because I know of the price that I looked at was completely unexpected when I I got the price off of uh, the values this morning. Um, Liliana, the veil. uh, Oh, the original value for uh innistrad version um last year this time was $85 um when we were talking about this um last year mtg stocks had it at 70 scg was pre-ordering at 70 um i said the 52 week price was going to be $75 for this um you said the 52 week price was going to be 50 for this um Do you want? I was kind (laughs) of, I was kind of close before that fucking spike. Do you want (laughs) to take a guess at at what it was as of this morning? Uh, Probably one twenty. MTG stocks this morning it was one twenty. SCG was uh, one (laughs) thirty. And at at that also, SCG is out of stock (laughs) for them at one (laughs) hundred and thirty. FML,
1: right? (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, so, so that is one
0: where, uh, you know, there's a, a confluence of events that that is kind of spiked that one. So um, I sold out a bunch of mine when uh, Puka Trade was still an option. Um, I was able to pick up a bunch of stuff that I needed. Um, and then I bought up a bunch of these or I, I opened, I think, two, bought up two um, uh, for probably 70-ish uh right after the the set was still being opened um so i mean i'm i'm happy about that uh for where we we went here but that that was a number that was uh i think out of all of the ones that i looked up this morning that was the the most surprising
1: yeah and Snapcast was is going to be another one of those too um i you know it's just you can never really say what where it's all going uh, <laughs> which released. is
0: kind of contrary to the whole point of this segment, but at least it's interesting to see <laughs> to see what it uh, ends up doing. Um, oh, I know. So next is Damnation um, with the only uh, printing having been in like planar chaos for a non-foil promo version. Um, so that was $48. Uh, MTG Stocks had it at 27 Uh SEG was pre-ordering at 35 Uh I said the price this week would be $15 you said it would be down to a whopping $8. Um, (laughs) As of this week, MTG stocks was at 22 and SCG was at 25. Um, So that was something where it's held steady for almost a year based off of just the MTG stock price. Um, But uh, it definitely was able to get that to be a a more accessible, uh, you know, black removal spell across the board, um, which is, you know, a good one for, for that pretty much doing its job at the the rare reprint slot
1: well it it should be damn eight dollars <laughs> it should be a damn eight dollars but it's not alas
0: um so we'll, we'll sw- swap up these other two just to, to save uh the kind of the the better one for last but next we'll go with goblin guide um it was original of 28 dollars mtg stocks had it at 19 uh, SCG was pre-ordering at 20 so a whole big dollar uh you know uh difference there um i had it at 12 you had it at 10 for this week uh MTG stocks and SCG both have them for $20 right now and SCG is out of stock on them
1: yeah like the so one of the, like we've talked about like the issues with with Modern Masters with the amount of printing Um, so the demand for it was pretty much satiated but a lot of it looking back at it it has to do a lot with like the product design itself Um, where you know they've kind of that year I guess that was last year they really did overwhelm with the amount of product Mm -hmm. because you had in the time that came out there should have been in between that time came out and the other master set, there were still two, two regular release sets. Yep. On top of that. So it was nuts.
0: Yeah. And I mean, just with the, the standard rotations and then all the other announcements and it just ends up being where even if they weren't announced at the same time uh, or released at the same time, just the announcements end up having a wallet effect. And um, I mean, I would have to guess that the kind of the most, uh, prevalent uh opening of all of this stuff was probably in gp vegas um which was interesting because they didn't have a um the sealed format there wasn't uh a modern masters format it was whatever the i, I believe that was a monquette at the time um for whatever the sealed format was um so it was just interesting yeah because they were announcing our devastation still so that was a monquette was the only standard legal set so um when you, the past couple of, of Vegas GPs had all been Modern Masters sealed, um, this one kind of being a shift from there also showed that there wasn't just going to be that much mass packs being opened at, uh, at one time worldwide type thing. So uh, interesting to, to kind of see the impact that that has on, on some of these singles as well. So saving uh, the best for last uh, with uh, our, our boy Pele, depending on your card art. Um <laughs> We've got Snapcaster Mage with uh, last year at this time being $40 for the original Innistrad printing. Um, MTG Stocks having the Modern Masters version at 36 and SCG pre-ordering at 40 <clears throat> Um This is one where uh, both of us really missed the mark. Um, I said it was going to be down to 20 Uh You said it was going to be a 22 Um and this is probably like the, the big loser for us, uh, but MTG <laughs> stocks uh, had it at 75 this morning and SCG has them at 80 and they are sold out at 80. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's one where it, it, uh, you know, was completely unexpected and being in the mythic slot definitely helped that one. Um, so that was probably something that neither of us kind of took into uh, consideration for access. There where being kind of a, uh, upshifted in, in rarity to the mythic slot helped uh, that value wise, especially with the just the, the speculation, as you mentioned. Um, uh, but just interesting to yeah. see that kind of card value hold. When although I'm not playing modern heavily, um, I don't think it's a, <laughs> a four of in most decks, it's definitely not a four of in, in many legacy decks. Um, so the fact that it's still up there is that high with it being, you know, a one, two of maybe a three of, um, is interesting.
1: Yeah. I really do think that. So for some of these, yeah, I think we missed the mark. Um, I, I think we both thought there would be a lot more product open. Um, um, because if you look at the, cause what's nuts is, we'll check on eBay real quick to get a rough idea of what a box price of this is. Right, right now, two thousand. Oops, not three thousand
0: seventeen. I mean, I'd like to to get in on magic- a,
1: a really good pre order. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it looks like the box price. You know, the box price on this did shoot up. Now that I think about it, I've been so far removed from Magic. Um, lately, that the average pack price on this is about fifteen bucks. Okay. Um, and then that's so still, what?
0: Twenty four packs in a box.
1: Yeah. So it looks like the average box price is about three fifty. Just a quick, just a quick, you know, you know, just a quick search. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. But at the same time, that that's okay. kind of good, though, that that's the value that it's kind of crept up to because that's kind of the whole point um, where you do these reprints, have them um, have it kind of put a dent in the market, make it easier to be accessible and then have have it still retain value. So the fact that it's kind of shown um, that that pattern has been working for, uh, you know, the past number of sets um to basically have this uh be reprinted um and you know get the cards in the hands of people that want them but then everybody that has it um they're able to then you know still maintain some value in the collection so that whenever there is a reprint doesn't you know turn everything just into paper shreds
1: yeah yeah i mean it's fine i mean arguably you know you know reprints are good for the game um, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know. As I've, as I've gotten older and the fact that like, as I've longer been playing, I want the ease to like jump into, to other decks to be a little easier, <laughs> at least cost wise, especially now since I'm basically focused in legacy. Like I was telling, I was, you know, telling somebody like I put together a really fun, um, with our mutual friends and I, um, uh, brewed a really fun cascade list in uh and Legacy. Uh neither neither one neither one of us are gonna finish it right now because it takes like, you know, 800 bucks for like three cards. Yep. <laughs> so like, you know, when it comes down to like when it comes down to that and it's just like, ugh, you know, it's that the that, that, that what we've talked about, especially you mentioned from the the TED Talks, uh the said talks the TED Talks. Um the the dollar to fund ratio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, 800 bucks. She said 800 bucks. You know, <laughs> one game of magic every couple weeks versus, or, you know, like one night of magic every couple weeks versus, I mean, 800 bucks gets you some fun.
0: Yeah. That, that's a whole lot of fun for a really <laughs> long time. Um, or uh, a lot of carts you can put into your Neo Geo cabinet that you're not going to really uh, mess with otherwise. Yeah. And I say that completely uh, sitting here looking at three Rashad and ports that I purchased while we were in Florida (laughs) um, because I didn't spend any money at uh, at Disney World. And then we visited the store. I played the pre-release at back in January because I wanted to see if they had a certain figure. And I was like, oh, well, none of the stores around Chicago have them in in cases. And I'm here and it's a nice, awesome shop. So I I may as well do it Um, because I also like the old art and don't (laughs) want any of the uh, Magic 25 art. So um it was it was fine so I, I i say that both uh kind of knowing that i i had uh saved myself some trouble by not really spending much anywhere around disney but then also um shooting myself in the in the foot to kind of do uh a third of what you just said
1: yeah <laughs> you know i mean and honestly like if you're going to have fun with them there's no harm in it i mean you know it's 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 like i would find If the, I think it's one of those things, I think if the overall cost entry um, to Magic was a bit lower, um, I'd probably be more enticed to play. Uh, Simply because um, I wouldn't be gearing up for a whole bunch of, like, necessarily feel-bad kind of opponent days. Um, um, And, and, you know, it's like I've met some really cool Magic players that I've met you know, I've met a lot of a lot of you know players I've played against that I've just not had fun and soft cheat and all that kind of stuff. You know, so like uh, you know, lower lower cost to entry, more players that are fun. When it ends up going higher, you have a lot of elitist thinking and a lot of this idea that money can kind of just solve your problem because in a way, when it comes to magic, it kind of can. If you can like buy the best cards, you know it's like a popper deck's not in the same league as like a a vintage deck Mm -hmm. 110% yeah so you know
0: yeah I mean I definitely see that and then for me it just always ends up coming back to the getting time out of the value while I'm there Um, and then just kind of seeing it and playing with it. And for me, with most of the cards, it ends up just being kind of a a rental spectrum. So as long as I can get value out of them and then still have fun with them, but then I'm able to eventually... Kind of, uh, you know, move them somewhere that makes sense, and uh, I've got a a bunch of stuff I need to do. That just hasn't, I haven't had time to. And so it goes back to at some point last year, you had said this, where our our buddy John says, "Hey, it's just all cardboard, man." Um, Yeah. And so for me, I'm, I'm definitely coming around to that a lot more and more um, of just trying to, to just get rid of as much as i can to get a hold of what i need or what i want um so i don't necessarily need to collect uh, everything and, and have multiple copies and uh i'm definitely a hoarder by nature where um i'm very shitty at deal making um which is probably why i i don't play settlers of Catan very well because um, i i never <laughs> want to get rid of assets that i think i could use in the future um but yeah, so I mean, there's there's a couple of cards that again, like high dollar cards that that I need to get a hold of. Um, that you know I may not necessarily need to, um, but it's something if I want to play a couple other key decks, like I'll, eventually I would need to. But we'll we'll see where that goes.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I I've thought about getting you know a couple because I need a couple Bayous and. Uh, for those magic listener uh, listeners who aren't super magic savvy those cards are pretty expensive right now um so you know i'm i'm having a hard time i'm having a hard time pushing myself to spend that uh just for something i don't use that often yeah, especially exactly. especially when i have that fancy neo geo cabinet right now
0: Yep. I mean, for me, and now, especially when I travel with legacy stuff, like I take out the dual lands and I just put in shocks. So it's like there's legitimately a ridiculous amount of money that I'm saving by carrying this stuff around as opposed to the other ones where it's like, yeah, like it's suboptimal. But then if I need to or for wherever I'm going, if I, if I don't, uh, haven't been there, don't trust it, blah, 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 it's not, it's not as bad. And there's a a number of players locally that end up kind of jumping into, um, Legacy with uh, with shocks and then kind of slowly moving up uh, the the dual uh, path um, to to get, to upgrade from you know eight dollar cards to three hundred dollar cards um, once they they're invested in and in time spent into it but yeah it, it, I definitely see it both ways
1: yeah I mean I don't have anything against it you know or or anything you know you know it, it's it's you know it, sometimes it's fun. Uh, but when one when one, uh, you know buy you is three to five uh, Neo Geo cards. Yeah, that that doesn't
0: again. Whenever you can <laughs> rationalize it into real world terms, there's there's definitely a lot of stuff that that, that makes a lot more sense for.
1: Yeah. So yes, 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 yes. Right, so that Where puts
0: you... a, a pin on us uh, doing MTG finance uh, and us kind of now realizing that we won't you sure? uh, be you know speculators uh, in any lifetimes anytime soon.
1: <laughs> yes were you able to find any uh weird weird media uh to talk about this week
0: so i i wouldn't necessarily classify, classify it as weird um but just stuff that's completely unexpected um and so uh um for for me it was it was something that uh kind of was via happenstance um by uh going to the the concert that we went to or or some of the events that we were attending uh down in florida over the weekend um so it it was it was one of the artists that performed there that was that was pretty awesome um and so that was the most recent album from him was going to be my selection for the media swap um but then just some of the uh just interesting pieces and kind of the going back to some of the themes of what we opened the episode on of just having an open mind and going uh, with some of that um, was a piece where I was able to be uh, self-reflective when, when realizing what I was kind of consuming. Um, And so it, it made it a, in my opinion, a perfect spot for, for our media swap.
1: That's good. Um, I mean, I've got a, I have a, a couple things. Um, I Actually, recently, actually, I I got a chance to play yesterday, I found uh, a parody game called David Lynch Teaches Typing.
0: I've heard about that from somebody else. (laughs) I don't know. I don't remember how long. It had to be a podcast that I was listening to. Um, But there was was definitely something where I, I remember somebody talking about that, and I can only imagine
1: what that actually is like. It's not as long as it should be. Um as someone who has a soft spot for edutainment games, which is many of the the weird media um, that I was kind of prepped to talk about. Um, yeah, it wasn't as long and I kind of got like, you know, I kind of got the joke or whatever, but, um, you know, I, I, wanted, I wanted a little more. It's weird. I think it lasts maybe like five minutes. The novelty wears off much faster than uh, Typing of the Dead. Uh, well, so this is unfortunately like it's not really expanded upon itself. It's more about the, the David Lynch part of the joke. Yeah, than exactly. The fl- than the actual so, typing uh, effectiveness. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it, the, it, it you, you play through the entire thing in like five minutes. Um, so, you know, you want a little bit more. You're like, okay, well, you know, you're going to teach me typing. D- deliver on teaching me some typing before you get to all the joke shit, you know. Take some actual steps through it. Um, you know just take more take more steps um you know so uh it's no typing of the dead still typing of the dead arguably is still one of the best edutainment games i think ever created um i'll fight anyone who says otherwise um some of those gen z's will be like but what about master that B- was math blaster or you know
0: yeah, I mean, I still think Typing of the Dead just kind of takes the the ability to do actual typing there, um, and uh, just on the kind of the platform that it was on, and having the the same uh, level of immersion that the actual full blown game was uh, is just uh, uh, is what really sells it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Um, the other one, um, like I've played some other learning. Um, some other edutainment games um have ever have, have we ever talked about the uh, light span learning system games
0: uh i don't think we've talked about them here it rings a bell okay. but nothing that i'm really uh able to kind of put uh
1: put a pin on okay okay so um i have a stack i have like about 45 of these um there's this company uh called uh there was this company called uh, uh Light span and they tried to develop a learning system uh, for elementary school kids that involved them selling their PlayStation One edutainment games to schools, and only through schools to children, so they could take it home with the accompanying PlayStation and learn at home playing PlayStation games. Um, and they were only sold—they th- uh, were only sold two schools. Um, until the company basically was liquidate, liquidated all their assets. And, um, these are all blown out on, on eBay. Uh, you can actually still find a, you can find a complete set, but, um, they're one of those things that in like five or 10 year, you know, five or 10 years, uh, they're going to be insanely, they're going to be insanely, uh, uncommon and expensive. Mm-hmm. But I have some of those and I've played some of those. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're not great. They're no type into the bed. Um, <laughs> all, uh, all the ones I have are branded with one of the local elementary schools, like, stickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, And I think it's in Four Oaks, I think these came from. Um, Four Oaks Elementary. Um, uh, yeah, I've played a few of them. Uh, there's, like, a, a, a reading one. And I may or may not have fucked up the reading one when I was playing it. Um, like, cause I didn't read, um, I was like, because my approach was, I don't need to read any of the instructions or anything.
0: Well, that was the same thing. Like got, whenever got, i growing up when we had computer time in elementary school and we played all of the, um, ME CCC games that, you know, the Oregon trail, Odell Lake, all of that stuff. Um, that was, I, I don't know how many games we selected. Like there were dozens of games that we could play in there and there were a handful of them that fuck I didn't read instructions I was you know third fourth grade all I want to do is jam on the computer and play as many games as I could regardless of if I was actually learning anything um and so there was so many games and so much time that I wasted where I was just like do do walking around doing stuff answering questions <laughs> not paying attention I'm not getting anywhere I'm not doing anything what's happening oh fuck this game's stupid let me go to this next one um and so I mean all, all the ones that had the kind of the instant immersion of uh um like Odell Lake and Oregon Trail were the ones that, that worked well. Um, but then I, I remember there's other ones, uh, um, like Dr. Livingston, I presume, is one that I played multiple times and I never actually took the time to read the instructions um, and figured out what the hell was going on. So that was that was one where it, it was uh, lost on me. But now looking back, I, I wish I had access to all of those games because where technology has taken us, like those games were still well ahead of their time for, for what they gave us.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, um, I, oh man, I was kind of hoping to go, because I know, I know last, uh, last time we were able to, uh, we were able to, uh, get together here, uh, I, I was, I went a little bit into Color Dream slash, uh, Wisdom Tree, uh, but I wanted, to, I wanted to go a little bit more into it, but I wasn't quite super, super, uh, super prepared for that. But I love, um, oh my goodness, God, there's so many weird games I know, um, you know, there's the, the, uh, oh, oh, god, I know, I know, we've never talked about this, uh, um, at least not on the podcast. Um, so, uh, one of my first uh, role-playing game experiences was through a Christian RPG called Dragon Raid. I am interested. Um, <laughs> that is that is correct. <laughs> um and you said that was Dragon Raid. Uh, I was Dragon Raid. Yeah. You can find these sets on eBay. They're not too terribly expensive. Um I would love to play a Dragon Raid campaign. <laughs> um <laughs> basically the purpose of Dragon Raid is to teach you to be a good Christian. Um and it was designed in the seventies. I totally has that feel, maybe early 80s. Um, And you basically are an adventurer, um, a warrior of God, uh, and there's, like, like advanced classes, uh, you know, a whole bunch of kind of stuff. Um, I, I ended up getting exposed to this um, my mother was very insistent on uh, putting me in in um, Baptist youth youth programs, mm-hmm. even though we're Catholic. Um, and one of the youth pastors or youth group leaders was like, you seem like a, like a cool kid. Um, here's uh, this game. And you know, I've had it for a long time, and uh, I figured you might get more enjoyment out of it. And I... Of course, I uh, was never able to actually play a game of this, but I read the shit out of the materials. Yep. Um, because A, um, I had no friends. B, there was no way of convincing anybody to play an RPG. C, did I mention it was a Christian themed RPG? Um, <laughs> yeah, let me go use this cassette tape. We can get started. Um, so yeah, it's um, and one of the uh, all of your um, magic powers or spells or whatever were all tied to Bible verses. Interesting. So, so to use, you know, if you were like a warrior monk or whatever, or warrior, I guess that class would be what warrior priest. Um, you would have to quote Bible verses at the at the DM or GM because uh, DM was too demonic mm-hmm. um, to, to actually get your abilities. Um, and one of the things I remember is reading through uh, one of the stories um, was, whoops, um, there's a death scene. And um, do you have to play out go? when you die in in Dragon Raid.
0: Well, good news is yeah, they're I've... still active um, and there's... Uh, we'll link to it. Um, but back in 2014, there was a short documentary published about Dragon Raid on YouTube. So similar to last week where we had about 13 minutes of... Uh, <laughs> Similar where so, we had thirteen minutes of uh, of infomercial. Um, this is something that uh, that is is another one to dig into and, and look at there. I'm gonna eat half a cheesecake and watch that tonight. Send this your <laughs> way so you don't miss it, so that you can have something that's ready and waiting.
1: <laughs> Dude, I read. I like I literally read this all the time and is this am i still in sold listings
0: yeah i I did a quick ebay check and there there wasn't anything that was popping up for me um but then going to dragonraid.net um they ended up listing a bunch of stuff there for uh stuff in stores and everything like that so that would be interesting to see what they have in in official or semi unofficial stores
1: yeah i found some so dragon raid is one word um, that's how it's listed. And, and I love how, uh, uh, eBay's like, did you mean Dragon Maid? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, eBay. I am trying to save my soul here. I do not want to go down that dit- that sin hole you call Dragon Maid. I don't even know. I'm like, I'm curious to see what that even looks like. I think I'm going to click. I mean, it has, tw- it has 12, almost 12,000 re- results. The good news is there's also Dragon Maid is like
0: there's also the Dragon Raid Inn, which says it's a set of expansion rules enriching gameplay, um, linking off the Wikipedia page. And when you go there, um, it's a straight GeoCities site from you know, two (laughs) thousand and one. full with crackling (laughs) gifts and everything. So that that's pretty awesome.
1: Yep. I know where my tax return is going. I am buying one of these and making people play with me. Oh. Yeah, man. I, re- I remember all this. I remember reading through the stories. Like you have to fight a dragon, and what the thing that did it was that like so it has like an advanced combat setting, where like you can have your limbs and shit cut off. I I'm not too familiar with D and D, but like as like an 11 year old reading this, I'm like this isn't appropriate at all. Like. I could kill people but it's okay like like oh you didn't defeat the game. you severed his neck like you severed his spinal column you locked off his arm mm-hmm. oh johnny in our party he got his he got his hand cut off so he can't use a crossbow anymore <laughs> like it was absolutely nuts
0: just and the I- scenarios that are in there are uh mind-blowing like now like uh, growing up there was like there was like a source manual um that i got from my cousin for like all the marvel characters and basically i read like i would consistently just reread the human torch section um and the silver storm or silver surfer <laughs> uh uh section just back and forth and uh would constantly just kind of make up my own character that was a combination of the two and all that shit um and that was before i even really knew like Dungeons and dragons was a thing and like that what they had for like all the you know monster manuals and stuff like that. Um, so I can only imagine like the joy I would get from reading some of this and and reading the gameplay and the you know spell manuals and stuff like that. As far as just the with with how long I've played Magic and just the immersion in other fantasy realms that that how uh, just to, to see the parallels and to see like we're gonna go this far but not that far and this is good but that's too far. Um, and so uh, it, it would definitely be a yeah and one of
1: the and one of the campaigns you have to like pray a dragon away. Awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like, you know, your your characters have to, to to pray the dragon away or some shit like that. But I mean, I don't know why it's it's that weird oddity shit that I'm like always like like I'm so curious about and I don't know what it is. I I have no idea. Like I'm looking through this this one that's listed on eBay for like 60 bucks after shipping. With zero bits, which blows my fucking mind. Because how could you not want this? Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> and I remember, I remember one of the the things here is that there's like magic scrolls. Those have the Bible verses on them, and they basically tell you what what they to like cut those up basically, and um, or maybe you don't cut them up. But um, those are where all your magic powers come from. Well, I
0: something, mean, you, you got to give, yeah, like, somebody credit where they're, they're definitely looking for it to be like, okay, well, we know, like, we need to, you know, we know we need to, like, figure out a way to get more people interested here. There's really, like, a, a niche piece that we could figure out how to to get in there. Like, why don't we combine the best of both of them? So, like, it ends up being something where uh they ended up, you know, really going out of their way and, and really swinging for the fences here, regardless of how it was received.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I I think I think that's maybe the thing that I'm attracted to, uh, or why I'm drawn to this kind of stuff is because it's the unabashed. I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do, because I know that I'm right in my heart of hearts. Like, I don't know what it is. It's just like stuff, like all of that stuff, all of those, you know, um, all of those oddities where it's there's some kind of it's a mix of desperation and hopefulness and ingenuity and it's for some reason i'm absolutely like i'm absolutely drawn to it um just absolutely absolutely i've always been that way um let me see if there's another one since we play card since we play card games um i remember also getting um, I wasn't even playing magic at the, uh, uh, at the time. Um, but let me see if I can find this and, Oh, that's probably, okay. That was that. Okay. Yes. I am going to send a link as we keep talking about all of this insanely, um, Weird media, and since we're both card players, uh, a- another thing I was never able to use, um, because I had no friends I could convince to play this with me, uh, I also got th- I also got this from the same uh, youth pastor. Interesting. From playing whatever dragon ball z card game i was playing and it looks like they're still making this or what have you it looks like recent Um,
0: packaging and recent uh yeah i mean they've got 2017 tournament results and stuff like that
1: wholesale inquiries here we go maybe i can make the local game store order this Oh, man, I want this Apostles deck. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Like, I just... I don't know what it is. I just, like, love... Because... So the whole game is actually kind of cool, because, like... Outside of... um, Outside of... um, Like... It's a resource-based game. So, basically, you and the other player have, like... There's, like... You each have, like, a deck of, like, ten souls. Mm-hmm. And you basically fight those souls. Which is, like... you. So, you're basically, like... There's, like, some really good... What I love about them is, like, there's some really good game design within this stuff. But, like... It's just... uh I Ah, oh, man, I... Uh, there's like really good, there's really good design within the game that really draws you to it. Like another thing that I'm really drawn to is like the first, um, not as, not as weird or on the same level here. Um, is the, uh, artwork in the first printing of Illuminati. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, if you're familiar with that game at all, like it's just like stuff like that. I'm just really drawn to, I, I can't explain why. Um, I am all about this redemption, though. They I have think, uh, seasonal
0: tournaments. Um, yes! Uh, let's see. Most of them appear to be... They, it has a huge following in Texas. Um, some in Massachusetts. Um, some in Minnesota. Um, but, yeah, it's... There tends to be looking to be a huge place uh, in Texas um, with, uh, you know, state tournaments, South Central regional tournaments. Um Although there's a South Central Regional Tournament, but it doesn't appear to list any other regions that are having tournaments either, so I don't know what the difference would be. Um but then they also later in the year have a national tournament. All of that looks to be in Tombowl, Texas. Um so if, if you uh want to start getting on Hipmunk and seeing how much it would cost you to get to Tombowl, Texas, you may have uh, some free time. That's probably a better I, know. Uh, I am better cost or better spending of eight hundred dollars than uh a couple underground seas.
1: i know i know fuck i'm saying fuck going to japan i'm gonna be a pro redemption trading card game player there you go this purpose in life no i just like there's something there's absolutely just something about it where i'm all i'm just always drawn to that kind of stuff and i have no idea why i have no idea i don't know maybe it's like the kid in me It's just that willingness to, like, try something new and not to be necessarily put off by Bible verses.
0: Well, and like you said, it has some interesting game design. So, I mean, just looking at some of the expansions where, like, Angel Wars is an expansion. um, (laughs) You've got the priests. That could go either way. Um, You've got uh, the patriarchs, the disciples, Revelation of John, the early church. So it would be interesting to see what, like, what the... um, now, kind of in in my current uh, agnostic state, um, what the uh, uh, what kind of bet it takes toward, or like what uh, how open it would be, or uh, what we also always did growing up, we played Overpower. And, uh, there were, uh, mostly Marvel, some DC, uh, we didn't really play much with the image ones, but then we always with, we always started making other characters and started designing our own characters, um, for that. So like I ended up creating my own character for the crow, um, and the, basically his character card and some of his special abilities and stuff like that. So it'd be interesting to bring in other religions in here, like the old Testament. Um, and then some of those other pieces and see, see what some of the other pieces would be, or kind of what, what parts of the the Bible and Christianity they're, they're leaving out from the gameplay, um, and see, see where that would go. So that would be interesting to see as far as, uh, just where they're going from now mapping the, uh, um, the magic psychographic profiles under here to, to kind of go at redemption as a uh, a Johnny uh, Spike uh, or a Timmy or even a well, v-
1: or even a Vorthos. So another thing that I'm always drawn to are card games that are literally just seem to be designed just for Spike. Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, the one of the first singles I actually clicked on here is a tutor. <laughs> So I'm like, yeah, I want a game that has, I want a game that lets me like filter and doing that. Uh, I played Redemption, I played the Redemption card game for a long time, and I decided to start selling off part of my collection. See pictures for a condition. They also have foils. Um, Interesting. Buying shipping starts at 350 Oh, fuck that, buddy. From Dayton, Ohio? Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I love games that are always. Uh, I mean, the next big thing I'm looking at getting. Um, I guess my splurge part of my tax return is um, uh, the um. The Universal Fighting System folks came out with a new expansion that happens to be Cowboy Bebop themed. Um, so I love me Cowboy Bebop, and I love me Street Fighter, which are like the last two sets mm-hmm. that they came out with so i'm probably gonna get my hands on a couple boxes of those um just like looking I i don't know what it is man i'm so weird i'm so weird i like weird stuff i like weird stuff i'm drawn to weird books um but before i could go on a tangent about all the weird shit that i like so um you uh so for the our media swap you uh had a album yep
0: so the, the, the concert we went to was down in Orlando, um, very similar to, or, uh, touching on some of the stuff we talked about before with, uh, Detroit, love in our arms. Um, it's their annual concert, um, where, uh, it's called heavy and light. Uh, I'll link to the the stream here and there's just some ridiculous, uh, um, and kind of mind blowing things that, that happen there. Um, and I've been going to concerts for a very long time. Um, and definitely some of the first that I'd seen there. Uh, but it's the night, um, or they, they basically ca- call it a, a night of uh, songs, conversation and hope. Um, and so it, it's very it has a lot of spoken word poets, um, or it has a lot of spoken word, uh, activity. Um, both Tanya Ingram and Sierra DeMolder were there. Um, I've mentioned both of them before. Um, John Foreman of Switchfoot is usually the, the main act, uh, or the headliner. Uh, and they have a, a bunch of other uh, people. So, um, this year, uh, the lead singer of Thrice played a solo set when we were there two years ago, um... Uh, the Somerset was there and a couple other singer songwriters. Um, but one of, uh, the, well, before I get to kind of the media swap thing, the, the mind blowing part of the night here was, um, John Foreman was playing, uh, he, he set a couple, a couple songs in, um, somebody yelled, uh, you're my hero. He goes, oh, well, you're my hero, um. Uh, you know, just as normal like performers, when somebody yells something, you just you know say it back to kind of keep going, as opposed to engaging in conversation. Uh, But then you could tell like he was uh, he was then actually starting to engage or calling back to the, the guy that called out. Um, and later, or at a later point um, somebody requested him to play a song that he didn't quite remember. Um, so he starts playing it and he says, if I don't remember it, Josh has my back calling out to the person who called out in the audience. So he starts playing the song. He's like a couple chords in um, and the guy from the audience yells out, it's in G. So basically meaning he's playing the song in the wrong chord. Um, He's not really remembering everything the right way. So John's like, get on up here. And so he calls him up on stage. The kid like walks up to the front and then like spider monkey jumps from the barricade up over like a five foot clearance up onto the stage over an amp, which just in and of itself was super impressive. Um, Then John Foreman hands the kid his guitar. He plays the song. Absolutely perfectly and nails it Um, all the while like John Foreman just walks to the side of stage and just like watches him just like nail the song Um, and then he just the kid stays up there and plays the rest of the set with him and just jams out the rest of the night and so this kid has never met John before he's, he's, you know, never, uh, been to a show, never seen him live before. He just happened to, you know, be in the right place at the right time. And this set of experience, set of circumstances happened to then put him on stage and let him play a full set in a actual live concert in front of a thousand people with one of his heroes. So that was just like for the last like 45, 50 minutes of the night of the concert, like the entire rooms, like head was blown off. Um, so that was like the the apex of the evening. Um, but one of the pieces that really got us there was one of the other uh, artists for the night um, who's a hip-hop artist, uh, who is a hip-hop artist. Um, and, I mean, I probably touch on it here about concerts and other stuff, but obviously I'm more of a hard rock, uh, heavy metal uh, alternative person. And I just don't really go into hip hop that much just because of just sheer time, brain space, all that other stuff. Um, but when stuff is presented in front of me, I tend to, to give it a chance and, and give it a listen. Um, and I'm, I I know like Kendrick Lamar has a huge following. Um, I never really just took the time to invest myself into that by myself. Um, but what I heard from him producing on the, the black Panther soundtrack was pretty amazing. So that's one I want to get back to. Um, but again, this was another instance where it was hip hop that was, uh, just presented in front of me. So I wanted to, to kind of give it a try. Um, and so the artist name is called propaganda. Um, he's on most social media as at prop hip hop. Um, And uh, he was coming up on on set and it was one of those instances where like the first like beat or the first drop that he had um, of his set was like oh shit this is gonna be amazing and so it was like almost like one of those like in my head the record uh, needle scratched and then i just like turned and just like stood with like my jaw on the floor his entire set um and it was it was just amazing um just listening to it uh and it was something where it was very much uh the purest form of you know lyrical hip-hop with uh poetry set to uh Basically, uh, a DJ table and some drums and stuff like that, and so um, that's that's my piece here. Is the the most recent uh, album that he put out that has a, a good number of songs on it. Um, but ones I think that you would find interesting. Some I think you would at first uh, start to like dismiss by title or or by some of the lyrics, but then by the end of it, you're like, holy shit, I did not see that going, and I like that was very well layered to see where he was going with it. Um, so I'm interested to see what you, what you think of some songs uh, on the album and and some of the lyrics, uh, there to, to kind of check that out. Um, and then also I'll link to the, uh, I'll shoot you the link too, but it's also the one I shared on Facebook earlier. Um, with uh they covered a uh tom petty song for part of the encore whereas everybody that was performing over the the course of the night um and they covered went back down and basically dedicated it to the parkland kids um but at the same time like he he walks up and says like i don't really know how you're how you can improve a tom petty song and then he just goes and like like wraps a complete a whole new verse to the song that is just mind blowing. Um, and I was at the gym last night and just listening to that, uh, to the whole encore on repeat about four times. And that got through me, my, my 5k on the treadmill without any problem whatsoever with even more energy than I thought I had. Um, so that's where just with the combination of the encore, his set, and then that album, um, was was just mind-blowing so that that's something where that's uh uh propaganda uh at prop hip-hop and his newest album crooked is is my piece for this week for you
1: sweet so uh what i have uh for you um hopefully you can find it if not um and hopefully it won't be too expensive um so i was thinking about i was thinking long and hard about what i wanted to uh recommend for you um and i was thinking about like uh like a, a or something along, my, line, along the lines of that. Um, and I had it kind of narrowed down to a few different things. Um, the um, and, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, you know, I think I know what I could recommend you that I think um, you would maybe get the most meaning out of. Um, so it was down to two things. The first, it was down to... Um uh, <clears throat> a Gundam Wing <coughs> a Gundam Wing miniseries uh called War in the Pocket that's only six episodes. Um, but it is arguably some of the best um animated uh anime related things I've ever consumed. Um where you basically follow a war pilot landing in enemy territory. Um does a real good job of reminding you that people, you know, the bad guy on the other side of the fence is still a person. Um, the second thing that I actually thought was, is basically is going to be my recommendation for you. It's a memoir written by a poet. So I kind of settled. I was in between recommending a, uh, deciding if I wanted to recommend nonfiction to you, um, or a book of poetry. So I just picked a, uh, <laughs> a memoir written by a poet, a little bit from um, column A, a little is- bit from column B. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's called the Two Kinds of Decay, um, by Sarah Manguso, uh, and uh, it basically chronicles her um, uh, realizing that she is, um, uh, as she discovers and is diagnosed with a uh, autoimmune uh, disease uh, that basically affects her blood. It's I believe it's a it's a blood a blood uh, disorder okay um and she deals with that um it's a real um it's a real uh it it's one of those things where I fully believe it's one of the- <clears throat> it's one of those pieces where you can capture that captures basically the, the pain of having to deal with that. Um, the near, you know, uh, the near, the near, you know, uh, the near death kind of stuff. Um, and also basically captures and shows how you can learn from those experiences. Um, and it's a really quick read. Um, it's like, there's stuff where I believe it's broken into, uh, it's broken into sections. Um, and each one basically just reads like a prose poem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, each section, you know, it may be a page five pages at most paragraph and some of them. Um, but it works as like a nice little, um, collection of stuff there to really paint a whole picture. Um, and basically talk about story structure. Cause I know that's, uh, when we did our last media swap, uh, that's, sort of what I focused on with that too, was like uh, interesting ways you can tell a story and create a story and environment. Mm-hmm. So um, I've got a theme.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, for me, that's kind of the the same thing for me where it's not necessarily uh, creating a story or an environment, but how to, uh, kind of subversively uh, get a message across and kind of re- relate to an audience that you would otherwise not expect to or not think that they would be as progressively minded as you would think just upon happening upon that certain medium of choice. Um, so it's I can definitely <laughs> see the see the the kind of the the golden thread through my two choices as well.
1: Yep. So I am excited. It's it's his new album. Uh, Propaganda's new album, correct? Yep, it's his new
0: album. It's called Crooked. Um, it's it's on uh, Spotify. You can grab it off of iTunes, um, but I believe you're one of those Android people, so it's probably on Google Play as well. Um, so whatever whatever media format you need, uh, we should be able to get it on one of them.
1: Cool. Yeah, if you can't, I'm hoping this books on can. I didn't even look at the.
0: It is. It's. I, I just looked it up pretty quick. It, it's doable. So depending on what I want to do, it's uh, it's. Available on Kindle or PayPal, yeah, paperback. Um, which is uh, Paper. it, it, paperback? It, it, it's not paperback. It's paperback. Um,
1: the Pope brings it yeah. <laughs> to you. It's it's actually tattooed on the Pope's back. It, it, yeah, it's it's just.
0: It, it, it's a bitch because it's really rare and it's just, you know, you, you have to read it while he's walking around and all that stuff. So it just it becomes a it becomes a problem. Um, but, yeah, it's I don't know uh, with traveling uh, into next week. I don't know if I want it on a Kindle or I want it in, in paperback to just lug along with me since I have uh, two other uh, small hardcovers here that I'm trying to read, too. Um, so I, I may grab it on the Kindle, but it's yeah, it's it's cheap and uh, easily accessible.
1: Cool. Um, and I'll actually go and read through it again too. I had to, it's actually one of the things I had to read for grad school. Um, and it was after, after the, uh, third or fourth time I was actually had to read it. Um, it it was basically, it was required reading for like three or four different classes. And I was like, okay, well I've read this, you know, three or four times. So, (laughs) um, but it's, I haven't, I haven't read it in about a year or so, but I think I could go and give it a. Uh, give it another read through. I'm mean, not doing anything at work except writing Donald's reviews, movies, poorly's uh, sections. Uh, sections there. I've got. Uh, I'm working on my backlog of movies. Um, okay. I've uh, basically have the new starting point, which we talked about, was the Woody Woodpecker uh, movie, which I've started. That I'm actually just at the point to getting into the actual movie review, um, which I'm trying to. Write. It's hard for. It's kind of hard for me to write at work because I can't really listen to music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm slowly trying to figure that out. Uh, but I've done that and I've watched a, uh, another movie. Um, so I've got a, a reserved movie in the pipeline once I finish Woody Woodpecker. We'll see if it makes the cut or not. Cause it wasn't a very exciting movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it for me this week. I'm ready to excited. I'm, I'm ready to watch this dragon, uh, dragon raid carefully.